All right, so today we want to talk a little bit about um, the the value of incorporating a company. We had somebody ask us about um, whether or not they uh, they should be incorporating or what the the positives and pros and cons are uh, about it. So um, I just want to talk to Alan a little bit about that and um, just kind of go through um, a thought process of, of what almost any small business owner would want to wouldn't think about when they're going um, and they're thinking about changing the, the type of their business from just being a sole proprietor um, into some kind of incorporation. So what, what do people need to be thinking about when they're doing that? Well, there's a legal aspect to incorporation, which means it's a separate identity from the person. So even though the person owns the company and maybe the only sole person operating it, um, the company has a separate identity. So from a legal point of view, that may provide you some protection or your personal assets from some protection. Uh, Although quite often bankers and whatnot will ask you for your personal guarantees to back up a loan or whatever. So that's one thing to look at is the legal aspects of it and how that might... uh, uh, protect some of your personal assets uh, in the event that the business doesn't work out so well. All right, there's one thing uh, that I wanted to ask, actually, because, like, so as an example, let's say that someone's like a, a nutritionist or something like that, um, and they're just meeting with clients and talking to people about uh, what they should do and, and all of that stuff. Um, so they're giving recommendations, and, and then these people have to follow those recommendations and, and, and hopefully get the results that they're looking for. But if the person misinterprets the the recommendations or if the recommendations aren't quite right or maybe someone uh, left out some information and they end up, you know, having, you know, a gallstone attack or something like that because of what it was that they were doing and they wanted to go and sue this nutritionist, um, you know, the, the incorporated company, if they were incorporated uh, to do that, that would be, protect them from, from basically losing their house or their, their vehicle or their savings uh, because, because of that, right? Is that basically what you're saying? Yes, that's one of the main, that's one of the main reasons a person might initially look at incorporating, uh, besides of all of the other financial benefits, but uh, for protection from your personal assets so you don't lose everything in the event that someone sues you. And, of course, we know nowadays uh, nobody is um, protected from being sued. You can't stop anybody from trying to sue you. All you can do is try and protect what you have from, from losing it all, and uh, incorporating is one way to, to look at that. Right. Okay, so what were you saying the next thing was? The, uh, the tax benefits and the flexibility that come along with incorporating. Now, I would agree, initially, there is some additional costs to uh, keeping track, uh, reporting, in the accounting process and, and uh, year-end reporting, there's there's more costs, but the money you save over the course of the year way more than offsets the cost of setting it up. And we start looking at the individual specific benefits inside the corporation that you uh, have now available to you. Um, you'll you won't look back. I mean, quite often in the old days, or not that long ago, actually. Um, we used to be told, well, you need to make about $100,000 to justify incorporation. Um, that may be if you're only looking at it from a cost perspective, but there's so much more that's available to you when you incorporate that's not available being a proprietor or just being in business for yourself without incorporating. And that's the area that we want to start addressing because it's, uh, it's significant. Uh, let's take, for example, um, the type of income that you receive. Most Quite often, accountants will suggest that you uh, take a wage and uh, it's called T-Ford income or taxable income and it's reportable and you have to pay into CPP and you pay your income tax installments to CRA uh, along the way every every month. 
And um, so you're no different than if you were working for somebody else and all of the deductions were coming off your paycheck. That's called a T Ford employee. However, being a business owner, you have the ability to take dividends instead. That means you don't have to pay into the Canada Pension Plan. You don't have to remit income tax uh, necessarily every quarter. There's a certain amount of dividends uh, that you're allowed to claim as income per year that comes to you basically tax-free. And so you look at the overall um, the cost or value of that. Uh, if you knew you could earn forty or $50,000 a year of taxable income in the form of dividends, which... Non-taxable income. Non-taxable income, yeah, from your company in the form of dividends, um, that is very attractive compared to paying the income tax and contributing to the Canada Pension Plan and to EI and everybody else that you have to pay into. And I think it's important to recognize the differences and the flexibility that that can give you just in itself uh, to put more money or leave more money in your corporation. Right. So you're, and you're saying like that, that number uh, of how much you can make in dividends uh, is different depending on what province you're in, if we're talking about Canada here. Uh, so that's for our legislation in Canada, Canada. And so that number is different depending on where you are. And then also there's a stipulation that if you're going to be taking um, dividends as, as income um, and, and not be taxed on them, um, you shouldn't have any other, um, any other income that is taxable income you know, from any other sources, really. So as a business owner, you're supposed to be making money um, that, from dividends and, and not making money through anything else. That's pretty much how you benefit uh, the best way is if you only have dividend income from your corporation and you have no other sources of income to claim on your income tax returns. Right. That's, that's the ideal situation. That may not be the case for everybody. Uh, for example, I have Canada pension income. I have uh, locked-in pension income. I have um, Airbnb income. So I have other income. So it's not perfect for me, but I still take dividends because there's a lot of other benefits that I enjoy um, at the same time. And one of them is I don't have to pay into the Canada Pension Plan. Right. That's a big thing. Uh, for the employee or the self-employed, it's, it's 5700 and some odd dollars per year for the employer and the employee portion that you have to pay into Canada Pension. I would rather have that money and start redirecting it where I want it to go rather than putting it into the Canada Pension Plan, which has a whole bunch of restrictions and limitations and lack of control over it uh, for me. Um, that were forced into it as a T Ford employee, right? So if you're a business owner and, you, and you're currently maxing out how much you're paying in CPP, it would it, it would make way more sense to be not doing that. Take that exact same amount of money that you were paying into CPP from last year, and this year take that money and put it into your own investment that you can control. Um, and you know that could be in a TFSA. It could be. Um, within some other type of investment you know there's lots of places that you can put investments that are going to be uh you're going to have to you can avoid paying income taxes on later um so we have that as a separate uh, a separate episode but um go ahead what else uh do we need to think about when we're when we're thinking about incorporating uh, a company income splitting you have the ability to income split possibly with your spouse or maybe some of your uh, adult children are working in the business with you over the age of 18. You're able to income split with them and pay them um, an adequate income for the work they're doing or the, the role that they play in the business. Um, that's another feature or benefit that comes along with it. Um, having a corporation, you have the ability to have the corporation uh, own an insurance policy, for example. 
Now, quite often we have to first claim our income, pay tax on it, and then take that money and go buy a disability policy or go buy a critical illness policy or go buy um, a, a life insurance policy um, that might be required for a bank or might be required for a business partner or your spouse or buy-sell agreement. There's lots of different reasons why you would want insurance. But if you could have your corporation own those policies and make the premium payments for them before tax, so in effect they would own the policy, but they would pay for those things before tax, then you don't have to take the money out and pay tax on it and buy this or pay for these things after tax. And there's a huge saving there. Uh, there's another thing that comes, it's called a health spending account. Uh, we use Olympia Trust or Olympia Benefits, and we are able to flow our medical expenses through the trust because we're incorporated. And it, the real cost is only 10%. There's a fee that we pay to flow that through there, and we get reimbursed uh, for all of our personal expenses for dental, medical, chiropractic, eyeglasses, etc. like all of the stuff that we would typically put through uh, an extended health program, for example, and a lot of independent uh, business owners do not have uh, those gold-plated plans that a lot of employees uh, enjoy. Uh, you got to pay for that yourself out of your pocket, so we try to find the most tax-efficient way to do that, and it's having your corporation own the policies and pay for the premiums uh, so you don't have to claim that money. It's a significant improvement uh, when you look at all of the expenses over the course of a year that you can actually save by incorporating. All right, so before we call this episode done for today, was there anything else we want to talk about to do with incorporating uh, your company and things that you need to consider? Well, RSPs, tax-free savings accounts. You know, people still need to save, whether they have an incorporation or incorporated or not. They still need to save money for their future. They need to set money aside for emergencies. They need to set money aside uh, for access to capital for expansion of their business or for an emergency or for an overdraft on their operating account. And so we have some strategies that we employ that involve using um, an insurance product in particular that the corporation owns where we build cash value inside this particular tool. And what it does, there's no reporting to the government. There's no um, requirement when you need to access the money inside the policy uh, for income verification or credit checks or or a debt load or anything. I mean, it's so important for us as entrepreneurs and business people to have access to capital or access to cash without being turned down and without having to qualify to get it. And the average entrepreneur has difficulty getting access to capital from a bank because they may earn a lot of money, but from a tax perspective, after all their expenses, maybe it doesn't look like they earn that much. The bank's looking at how much you bring home after your expenses to qualify you for a loan or access to a credit line or a credit card or anything like that. So it's important as a business owner that you create your own pool of cash, your own emergency fund that you can access. And we have strategies that can help you do that. And it's using the same money that's currently leaving your company, whether it's income tax, whether it's money that's going in the form of interest to credit card companies or, or loans. We have, we have ways of developing an alternative strategy for you so you have money that you can access without having to qualify or get permission to use it, without, all, without being taxed. This is the other thing. You put money in an RSP, and if you need it for some unexpected emergency, you're going to have to pay the tax on it to get that money back out and use it. You're paying money into the Canada Pension Plan. You have no access to any of that money until you're at least 60 years old. And then they're going to dole it back out to you at about 700 and 800 bucks a month. 
that's if you paid into it for the, your 37 years of your working lifetime and qualify. To me, that's not giving you the kind of flexibility that you might want between now and that day you turn 60 or even when you do turn 60. Maybe you want to have access to more money when you're younger. You know, people talk about retirement 55. Well, 55 is five years before you turn 60, before you can even look at accessing any of your Canada pension money. And it's 10 years earlier than you can get any old age pension money. So what are you planning to live off of at age 55, when the other two pension plans that most people look to for for income are five years and 10 years down the road? So you need to have access to money. And what we're saying is, is maybe RSPs aren't the best place to put your money if you need it in emergencies, if you need it for early retirement, if you need it to uh, go on a holiday, final wishes, whatever you might want to use the money for, you need to have access without being penalized terribly in order to use it. And we're finding nowadays that there's so many people got money tied up in locked-in plans, and they're going to die with all this money still tied up in their locked-in plans, and they never got to use it. Well, how tragic is that? We're looking for alternative ways for people to access the money that they earn. It's all their money. We want them to have access to it for what they want, when they want it, and for their own needs, and not somebody else dictating all the rules and conditions on if and when and how much you can get. It's a huge, it's a huge business out there. The financial industry is trying to part you and your money, and everybody's got a plan and a strategy for you on how to handle this money. And at the end of the day, you're the last one in the line who has any say in how to, how to use it. Everybody else has got all the rules in place, and that's what we're dealing with. So we are working to try and figure out how you can access money, save money, reduce the income taxes on that money, have access to it when you want, and without having to grovel with either a banker or an institution or a pension plan or somebody else that's wanting to control your money with all these rules. Yeah, the truth is, is the, the, whoever controls your money is the one who's making the most money with your money. So if you control your money and you have control over it, you have the ability to make more money with that money. You have the ability for it to be useful for you in your life. That's why when you're locking your money into different um, financial institutions and mutual funds and locked-in plans, um, that they... Uh, are, are the most excited about getting that money because once they get it, they have control and they can start doing things with it. They can plan with it and they can make their businesses grow and their um, coffers filled right up. So what we want to do is make sure that we have control over it so that we can make the money with it, so that we can use it when we need to. Um, and, you know, obviously you need to be able to be prudent in the way in which you use your money and make sure that you're strategic in all of that too. You can't just go and blow it all um, because you have access to it. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's really important and it can be very lucrative for you to have control of your own money. And that's part of what we go through in our True Wealth Workshop. So um, if you want access to that, we're going to have it um, available on our website. You just go to the True Wealth uh, page, and then you can sign up right there.